The key to making socialism happen in America is uh, create the smallest possible categories of people that can be in the movement. Yeah. yeah. Let's you want to isolate as the, many the people. most niche thing in the in the history of the world, and that's how we're gonna win. <laughs> I hate the internet so much. The good news, Pearson, is it doesn't have to just be on the internet anymore because you are a delegate. Delegate. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get there eventually, Rob. We'll get there. This happens See, this every is, time. This is what happens. Oh, you, yeah. you overthink it. You know. <laughs> I get accused of that so often. It's not even funny. <laughs> Anyway, you were a delegate at the DSA thing. What, hap- what happened there? Brett, you saw the, the videos and stuff, right? Along with the rest oh of the Oh, my internet. God, yeah. I had to rewatch the, the one where it's already cringy enough about, like, let's let's make socialism happen. And then we get a bunch of points of privilege from dudes in the audience screaming about people being too loud yeah. or using gendered language. And I was like, cool. The revolution looks like it's really on its way now. I was going to say, it's just... One, making socialism cool is genuinely a thing we'd like to do because as we heard from Liv, it fucking works. Like it actually gets people to fucking move over, which is great. Who else said uh, that the other day? Was was uh was that on the the Cooper Cherry podcast? Some, yeah, else, we were talking to we were talking to yeah. They were they were saying that like you know memes and being generally cool on the left publicly that makes people want to associate with you. You know who people don't want to associate with? The comic book guy from Simpsons who uh, <laughs> was interrupting everything at the DSA meeting uh, to win points, I guess. But I don't know. I wasn't there. So why don't we shut the fuck up and listen to the guy that got sent there? Yes. Yeah. I, it, you know, getting sent there is probably a good way to explain it. It felt like being sent to hell and, you know, getting to <laughs> chart it uh, like a, a la Dante. It was bad. Um but, uh, how, did you, yeah. how did you end up that guy? Why did so, you get chosen? You know, Rob, that's a terrific question, and I don't have an answer for you. No, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for that question. I, <laughs> I you know, it was, a, it was a question I asked myself, because why would you send the anarchist to the Democratic Socialists of America convention and expect him to have a positive like thing to say about it afterward. I don't know. Pearson, it's clearly such a big tent and so inclusive. It's so oh. big and so inclusive, right? No, for sure. So, I mean, where to begin? I guess, I guess a good place to begin is like, like why I joined the DSA, right? Because if I'm yeah. so critical of it, then why did I even join this organization in the first place? Well, I've always been reticent to join big tent organizations. Um, and, and organizations in general because I'm very skeptical about the centralization of power. Um, my analysis of power is that, you know, we need to empower each other and we need to share power and distribute power in an egalitarian manner in order to avoid these sort of authoritarian tendencies. We need to always be skeptical of power and ensure that our power is shared in, in order to make sure that power does not become domination, that it does not become oppression, that it doesn't become sort of this authoritarian impulse that I think lingers pretty much everywhere we look because of the way that um, it's really easy to justify oh, well, I'm doing this for a good end. And so even if the means aren't positive, then it's still for a good end. So that that justifies it somehow. Um, And also I should say, you know, just as an aside that I, this is just one person's experience at the DSA and there are many different types of experiences that people had. Um, Some people came away with it with a much more positive angle than I did um, and more power to them. Uh, 
but yeah, this is this is probably the 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 sad, angry, uh, cynical version of the DSA National Convention 2019. So buddy, take everything buddy, I say with a grain of salt. It's your lived experiences. So if I've learned anything from the DSA National Convention, it's you can just uh, prioritize those over everyone else. Yes. <laughs> also, to be fair, you last time we talked when you were ready to go, you were going with a relatively open mind. Like it was not a I'm going to this thing and I'm going to fucking hate all these people. So no, I mean I went. At least we're attempting to like keep a positive outlook, which I don't try to do. So more kudos to you. Absolutely. I mean, like I appreciate that. I mean, I you know the thing is. My hope was that, you know, looking at the DSA, it's, it's, it's got socialists in the name, right? Democratic Socialists of America. Yeah. And so, you know, I thought that unlike the Democratic Party, it, it was an institution that could be reformed. Clearly, anybody who has paid attention to the left for any stretch of time knows that the DSA is rife with issues and problems. Anyone who denies that fact is either too much of a DSA stand or is self-deluding themselves to acknowledge that reality. The problem, of course, is that like you can still take something that's relatively broken and discombobulated and make it better. I mean, I think that's what all of us are trying to do in one way, shape, or a form. You know, none of us are going to be able to create a perfect and utopian society, but we can still struggle together and aim towards always being better, right? So, you know, I thought that the DSA, unlike the Democratic Party, could be reformed, but as I spent more and more time at the convention, it became crystal clear to me that that's not the case and that the DSA's greatest aspiration is to become the progressive flank of the Democratic Party and little more. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was going to say one of those issues you mentioned for people who haven't paid attention is uh, one of the main spokespeople for the DSA. It was like two or three weeks before Atlanta put up a post that was like semi complimentary of fascists. Yes. Uh, or of or of or of like working with Proud Boys to accomplish certain goals. Right. Um, Bad luck. Just. I mean, another big and obvious issue is like the fact that after Charlottesville, which we just passed the the two year anniversary of August twelfth when Heather Heyer was martyred, after Charlottesville, the DSA raised fifty thousand dollars, ostensibly for the people of Charlottesville. No one knows what happened to that money or where it went. There's no record of it. The the victims cool. were never paid. Who knows what happened to it or, or who the, those funds went to. So that's, you know, really great and good. It's cool. That's yeah. I didn't know that one. That's um, super great. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. So other bit other than being unable to accomplish like their basic goals, what other ways <laughs> or rather I should say uh, what in particular about the convention made you think that the DSA was only angling to be a progressive wing of the Democratic Party? Well, there's a lot of things. And so I guess we can kind of take them on a step-by-step -step basis, if that's cool with y'all. So we got time. I, I guess a good place <laughs> to start would be with the fact that it was an overt attempt to centralize power. And, and what I mean by that is this. The way the, the convention essentially worked was we had folks um, coming from all across the United States in order to petition and, and create resolutions and try and create working groups and try and essentially decide on what will be the path for the Democratic Socialists of America over the next two years. And every resolution, every working group, 
where virtually every resolution and virtually every working group that would have decentralized power, that would have uh, empowered locals and small chapters and uh, given more authority and autonomy to regional affiliations was shot down. And every single resolution that would have empowered the NPC or the National Political Committee, which is the sort of central governing body of the DSA, was voted up. And so what you saw was an attempt at centralizing power base so that the DSA could be steered by a cabal of the few rather than by the assent and will of the many. And this happened in a couple of, of ways that were both nefarious and troubling, especially on the first day, because before we could even get to the agenda of actually passing different resolutions and, and bills and so forth, what ended up happening was certain members of the DSA began to angle and you know, recreate rules or challenge the, the rules of the convention so that we spent pretty much the first three quarters of Friday, the first day of the convention, bickering over what rules would take place. And, and all of the rule changes that were eventually made were done to consolidate power, were made so that it was more difficult to have transparent votes, made so that it was more difficult uh, for people to understand some of the technical language that was going on, and were finally, again, designed to create an apparatus that was centralized rather than decentralized. So that was like the big first red flag, so to speak. Actually, that's not even the first red flag, but that, that was the, the big first um, problem that, that I saw at the, the convention um, and is one of the issues that I'm probably most critical of because our chapter in Tallahassee is, you know, vocally a proponent of trying to empower, like, people on the small scale and to build up locally and regionally. Um and, you know, there were certain initiatives such as um, Pass the Hat, which was an initiative that would have given each chapter a hundred bucks a, a month um, in order to put towards bills or towards, um, you know, organizing for a great. space. Yeah, it would have been great, right? Uh, apparently that was too expensive for the DSA. Uh you know, there are other organizations like, uh, or there are other resolutions like creating a regional committee that would be able to help, um, you know, uh, create power for, you know, different types of regions across the United States, such as the Southeast or the Midwest or the West Coast, in order to have those different chapters talk with each other and share skills, share resources. Also cool. Also cool. Yep. Guess what? Got voted down. Hey, welcome to the Deep South DSA Regional Caucus. We discriminate against women, but only the white ones. <laughs> Trust <was> that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, a Southern DSA like regional group would be cool because it's become very clear. I'm sure you you know this as well, Pearson, or have to deal with this. But like, it's become really clear that anyone outside the South fucking sucks at recognizing like how to talk politics, leftist politics at all in the South. That's very like, it's true. infuriating to it, deal it's with. It's absolutely infuriating because like there is a incredibly robust movement and it is growing daily in the South um, to, to try and move towards universal emancipation, towards justice, towards creating an egalitarian society in which all people are liberated, etc. There's cornbread a, and roses. Uh, cornbread and roses, oh, yeah. brother. Like uh, there, there's definitely an, an an intense movement towards that. But unfortunately, it seems as if the liberal and coastal elites who like to pretend to be edge lords and and dem democratic socialists are in fact uh, really just uh, cosplaying and and are 
currently looking down their noses at everyone who uh, doesn't actually, uh, you know, share their particular perspective that Bernie or bust is the only way forward for the left. To buddy, go. I did not get this red bandana around my neck by not reorganizing the rules of our working group. <laughs> so don't tell me I'm cosplaying. <laughs> I, I do love that you guys spent the first day be people doing bureaucratic fuckery in order to amass more power. Yeah, like, dude, hell yeah. This is, this is how you can tell it's different from the DNC because it's entirely different. It's made up of totally different New Yorkers who are trying to fuck you. <laughs> Brett, Brett, with the way the DSA is going, maybe you shouldn't agree so hard with anarchist and future land pirate uh, Nestor Pearson here. Because <laughs> we might be called upon very shortly to return to Tallahassee. <laughs> so that was one of the big uh big big issues right from the start where is just to clarify where is you said the ncc is the like the central the npc group npc excuse me trying to uh, to to amass more of the centralized power where are they located like who are these people so that's an excellent question and the answer unfortunately is not entirely clear to me um the NPC is elected every two years at the convention. And so this year, um, the NPC was, uh, you know, reappointed. Um, there are new people now on the National Political Committee, um, which is, again, sort of the steering body, the governing body of the DSA. Um, and so those people were uh, from all across the United States. Um, and they um, work together ostensibly, and, and this is how it's supposed to go, in order to um, see the will of DSA uh, and, and to move forward over these next two years. Now, wh whether or not that will happen, of course, remains to be seen, but it, it is um, what is evident is that over the past two years, um, since 2017 and the DSA National Convention back in 2017, that the NPC was almost entirely um, disassociated from the needs of small rural and southeastern um, chapters, and was almost entirely, um, you know, committed to the interests of larger, often coastal, uh, you know, university cities and types of, of chapters that were working yeah. towards electoral aims, um, or towards getting AOC elected, or Julia Salazar elected, or Bernie Sanders elected, etc. Interesting. Yeah, so it remains to be seen whether or not the NPC is a body that can be reformed. I have my doubts, obviously, um, but you know that's obviously something that uh, remains to be seen. Um, there are Get some also trots in there. Fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> there are also, of course, like you know, a, a number of different caucuses all across um, the United States. Right. Um, some of them uh, are ideological caucuses. Some of them are caucuses that are more devoted towards. Um, you know, specific uh, goals or specific um, like aims of, of maybe like instituting Medicare for all or um, prison abolition or something like that. Um, and so one of my, my hopes was that um, the DSA LSC, the Libertarian Socialist Caucus, which is also the largest caucus in the DSA, would, would be able to kind of steer slash reform slash be a hard left pull um, at the DSA National Convention, and uh, I was discouraged to see that that was not uh, the case. And I think a lot of my um, DSA LSC comrades were also disappointed uh, by that reality because I think we all kind of went into it with this kind of optimistic, um, you know, uh, cautiously optimistic uh, 
hope or expectation that we could in fact make the DSA a better organization that was devoted to the, you know, um, the small guy and the, the working class folks and the proletariat that it's purporting to be, um, for. And, and in reality, I think we all found that it is almost entirely made for uh, hipster coastal elites who like to cosplay as being revolutionaries. Okay, so the initial bit was frustrating because you had the bureaucratic fuckery, you had people trying to centralize power. It seems like a lot of the power resides in the hands of uh, the most absurd DSA tropes. But what else happened after that? It sounded like there was more. Oh, yeah, there's definitely more. So it, <laughs> it, it all went downhill from there real quick. So um, so day one yeah. was just rules. Is that the day case? One day was one was almost entirely just rules. Let me put it this way. So we had I, – I looked at the schedule that first day, and I was like, there's no fucking way we're going to get through all this stuff. We didn't get through a third of Friday's agenda by the time Friday was Fuck done. Yeah. It was just horrendous. And we didn't get through practically any of Saturday or Sunday's agenda. Um, it was it was just an absolute train wreck. And I, and I mean that in, in the most not hyperbolic way. It, it was literally like watching a train come off the rails and just spill all of its contents all over the, the, the ballroom floor. It was an absolute clusterfuck. Is um, that true that... <laughs> is that true that it... It, I, I have no reason to doubt this, but you're saying that Friday and Saturday delayed so long that the actual agenda of the conference, you just didn't get to a good number of it. Like no, if, just, if you're in the room Sunday, is it the case they're like, yeah, we're not getting to it? Or it's just like they passed over shit that otherwise should have a discussion because they were trying to keep to the schedule. That so Rob, this is the most, this is the most fucked up part. Are you ready for it? So they... Uh, my suspicion is that there are certain factions in the DSA who intentionally were grandstanding so that resolutions would not be able to be debated on the floor and would thus be passed on to the NPC. Because the NPC, the governing body, then gets to decide all the resolutions that we didn't actually pass, gets to decide whether or not those get passed or not. So again, when we're talking about centralization of power, the NPC is Jesus. the ultimate body that gets to decide whether or not these resolutions pass or not. And the democratic actual body of, of members of DSA, of these delegates who have been elected from their, their various chapters in order to represent their regional interests, are not able to have any say on the resolutions that didn't get debated on the ballroom floor that all that stuff that was not debated um almost two days worth of content uh of, that we were supposed to debate at the convention in august was just now given to the npc to decide for themselves what they wanted to do with it this this small group of 16 people so wait if i'm if i am on this npc if i'm one of like 16 people on the steering committee i have every incentive to slow down the conference and make it fucking a miserable bureaucratic process because then I get to make more decisions for you. Precisely. Oh, that's that's a great system. Right? I, what the fuck? Exactly. Okay, so, so now every, you can see so why everything I'm so you guys didn't angry. get to. Yeah, no, I that makes sense. So everything you guys didn't get to because of like Friday fuckery and whatever just got pushed to them. Exactly. And so now these people okay. The same people who have been right. grandstanding this whole time and making up new rules in order to try and create more power for themselves have now get the ability to decide what's going to happen. All right. So that sucks. <laughs> um, so then you add on to that the fact that on Saturday, we were trying to pass the anti-fascist resolution, which which was Resolution 9. Which All right, was I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a hypothesis here. 
Okay, and, I'm ready and, for it. And as I finish, I'm going to take a sip of this cool water. <laughs> I think you're going to have no problem passing an anti-fascist measure at the DSA National Convention. And here we go. You would think that, right? But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how's how's that water, Rob? It's so refreshing. I can't How's imagine the, anything derailing this. <laughs> the tea. The tea is good, sis. Um, no, dude. Uh, you would think that there would be no problem whatsoever passing an anti-fascist working group. That was all it was. Just a working group to, to you know work on anti-fascist resolutions and, resolution, and anti-fascist work. Again, I've never probably drank water more comfortably than I am in this moment right now. So continue, <laughs> yes. And yet it was debated for two hours. For two hours. <laughs> these motherfuckers, these cowardly, shameful, craven motherfuckers. What were the arguments? Okay. Yeah, so, that's what I was going to say. What was the possible reasoning? Okay, so they were, they're, they're clearly afraid of the whole Ted Cruz, like, bill, the Senate resolution um, that they're trying to pass that would make anti-fascism a terrorism, a ter- like Antifa a terrorist organization. Which Cool, you're the DSA. Why is that a problem? Exactly. Then they, they were also afraid that it was going to, like, make the dsa a target and it's like motherfucker the tsa has been a target like like, do you uh, also like it would be incredibly mobilizing and then second of all like the dsa is a target it's on every goddamn like far right lunatics hit list already like what are you thinking that you're the dsa isn't already a target what fucking world are you living in um yeah, but that would be very different, right? The, the, there's one thing where, like, chuds are like, uh, DSA safe space meeting is at this location. It's another thing when, like, you know, a bill passes Congress where the state outlaws your organization and comes after it. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, I'm, I'm merely trying to point to the fact that the people were making arguments that those very same chuds that you were just referring to who come and protest at DSA meetings or who threaten DSA meetings, they're, we're already on their hit list. You know what I mean? Like we're already, you know, we're already like suspect numero uno. I mean, the, the name socialist is in the organization. Um, those were the, I mean, that that's basically saying if we actually do praxis, People will get upset with us, so why don't we just not do that? Exactly. Great. If we actually, why the fuck are you here? If we actually do shit, then then suddenly people are going to be mad at us. Yeah, of course. That's, yes. That's that's what doing shit entails. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep this inside and just uh, sound exasperated for the most part, and let the listener <laughs> project their ideology onto me. But I feel like at some point, if you're doing socialism in America and winning you're probably going to have to go through a lot of uncomfortable shit and make a lot of people angry at you. That should be like an expectation everyone that enters that room has. That should be a given. That's the club you're joining. One would fucking Uh, think. But uh, as we've seen, continue. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, uh, and then the other uh, big one, which I would hear again and again and again, which I think is the most banal excuse, is that it was too expensive. Because it was it was something like eighteen thousand oh, dollars or something. It was too much uh, out of the DSA's annual budget. So too expensive. Group. Too yeah. expensive to fight fascist is what the worst upper class liberals that we all hate say. Comrade, you're telling you're me in the wrong organization. You're in the wrong fucking organization. And so, okay, so it was so close, and the debate went on for so long that we had to break for lunch. 
And we were convinced. We were like, there's no way this is going to pass. These motherfuckers... Because, like, the, the tenor of the room was just, like, so abysmal. And we were like, they're, they're not going to pass this shit. Um, and so a bunch of comrades and I were like, okay, if this shit doesn't pass, like, we're going to fucking riot, essentially. Like, <laughs> we were yeah. we were ready to fuck shit up. Um, and we come back from lunch, and it, it did pass by 30 votes out of 1,200 people there. It's it really good by 30 votes. It's really good that it was 30 and not like one or two, because it would really suck if anti-fascism in America died because you wanted a chorizo sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so then on Sunday, these motherfuckers, these cowardly, craven motherfuckers, after the El Paso shooting and after the Dayton shooting, these cowardly motherfuckers tried to repeal the anti-fascist resolution. There was a oh motion God, on the floor me. to try and repeal the anti-fascist resolution. Fortunately, it was voted down, but these fuckers, <sighs> these fuckers tried to repeal it after it had already been passed. I mean, the, the amount of cowardice in that room, the lack of a spine, it was, it was honestly gobsmacking. It, it, it was shameful. It was embarrassing embarrassing it was profoundly unsettling it was dispiriting it was paralyzing it was just awful it was such a such a discouraging experience um like that's that's the whole fucking reason you're here what the fuck are you talking about it's too expensive unless you literally have no money in the coffers you can afford it i agree and 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 you know brett this is the thing is is that is the excuse that was levied again and again and again for these uh quote-unquote less than popular resolutions for example we tried to pass a resolution uh, that would make DSA accessible to all people, regardless of ability. Right? You would think socialist organization. Of course, we want uh, we want all the disabled comrades to be able to come in and enjoy the organization, to do the good work, and to participate yeah, in it. You would think, right? Socialist. Well, not organization. all of them. I mean, clearly, we we can exclude like Amber Lee Frost, right? <laughs> <laughs> Slavs, yeah. But so. Uh, of course, that one didn't pass because, you know, the DSA doesn't actually Why? give a shit about disabled comrades and because it's... Why? It was, like, what is even the argument again, for that? Again, too expensive. That was, the, that was the sole argument was that it was too expensive for the DSA to make the DSA accessible for all comrades. It was too expensive, my dude. Too expensive. Are you I fucking hate, kidding me? I hate when capital prevents me from having full accessibility. I mean, I hate it under capitalism, but... I hate it under socialism too, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Shit. And, and, and that was the same excuse for, uh, again, for like there was a resolution that would make uh, the DSA accessible for all comrades regardless of ability to pay dues. That was voted out. Because, you know, socialist organization, the only thing they really care about is your ability to pay dues, not your ability to actually do the work or organize or what? get people involved or create a community that actually supports and cherishes one another and fights for a world of liberation. No, the only thing we really care about is our ability to accrue dues from these fuckers. Like, yeah, are you the, kidding, are you the kidding idea, me? The idea that you are going to exclude people from participating and accessing this information because they don't have the money to pay is fucking reprehensible. That said... Uh, uh, thanks for subscribing to the Patreon and hearing this bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, though. It, it was absolutely atrocious and shameful. Um, As is this pod, so I'm with you. Yeah, you know, like, you know, that's at that's least we happens. label properly. Yeah, exactly. It should be the the dumb socialists of America or something. Got him. 
Uh, Fucking got him. Or the, the dipshit socialists of America. Stop, they're already dead. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so... Um, and so then, that's okay. not inspiring. No, if that's not so Saturday, enough, Saturday, you guys had uh, normal resolutions you would expect a socialist organization would pass, either struggle to pass or just get shot down entirely. Yep. Very cool. Yep. So fuck disabled people, anti-fascism. Uh, maybe we can maybe do that one day. I don't know. We'll see. Look, as as a white guy, my genes require me to play devil's advocate. Um, <laughs> with the the money stuff, I can partially see where I, I can see how financial concerns would be a reality for a, a growing organization. The stuff where you don't need money to do it, like being against fascists, right? That that's one thing. But if you have X amount of dollars, you're going to have to probably choose which you're going to have to prioritize some things. That's the thing, though, is that the budget was not made transparent to us. And there were that's exactly what I was going to ask. Tons so of, my next question there is were where tons the fuck is the money going? Of, uh, you know, grandstanding of, oh, well, we don't know exactly where the money is. We don't know how much how in debt we are. We don't know how much we've been spending. And it's like, how the fuck do you not have the receipts for that shit? You're a, a, you're an organization. How do you not have that? you know actually tallied out it, it was they absolutely do. oh they, no, they absolutely do they're they full shit they they're fucking liars to. they have yep. to they're fucking liars and they would not be there's no way the that. irs will not crush them if they don't have the receipts exactly like crushing political organizations on the left is something the entire government is going to encourage you to do as the irs yeah so if you don't have your shit together as the dsa you're gonna get fucked you wouldn't have had a national convention exactly if you weren't there's sure no you fucking could... way they don't know where the money is yeah i they're full of shit they're fucking liars everybody I enjoy the Enjoy the gratis coffee and bagels. Those are at the expense of your disabled comrades. So everyone, I know you can't you can't hear it, but I'm jazz fingering. There you go. <laughs> there's also the uh, there's also the fact that the anti the anti imperialist resolutions, uh, which were, were emergency bundled together because people realized that we weren't going to fucking get to it, which were anti intervention in Cuba, uh, anti um, uh, what is it called? Uh, what are they called when you put like not tariffs over a uh, embargo? A yes, anti-embargo for blockade Cuba. Embargo. Yeah, anti-anti-embargo slash blockade for Cuba and uh, the pro BDS. Those got packaged together as an emergency thing. Anti-imperialist resolutions. Obviously, thought you know, socialist organization totally going to pass these. Easy. Yeah. Guess how many, many votes? Either. Guess how many votes it passed by? Five. Ten. <laughs> Ten uh. votes. Ten votes for the anti-imperialist. You know resolution. why too? It was all the BDS stuff. Oh, of I can course. Guarantee you, that was the one. Of oh, fucking no. course. I don't know. There's some Cuban kulaks in there. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking Miami DSA group. I want to get back there and get my slaves back. <laughs> so, so suffice to say that it was a it was a pretty miserable experience, and uh, I've seen some some think pieces come out about it, both in the New York Times. Um, there was a, a pretty positive, uh, you know, interpretation of it in uh, Protean magazine that I wholeheartedly disagree with, but that's fine. Uh, you know, it was it was not good. It was very bad and terrible so, and not good. So Protean apparently thought it wasn't the worst thing in the world. So I'm not even saying like what did Protean say, but to the best of your ability, Pearson, uh, channel someone who went to the event. They went to the convention and they come back and they feel like we did some good here. What would be their argument? Charitably. Charitably. And because I went with someone who had that, that experience, um, charitably that experience would be, there were 
1,300 socialists all across the United States in a room, and we talked about stuff. Solidarity. <laughs> you just, I was, I was waiting for more, and then it just stopped. All right, I know you've asked me to be positive. I'm trying to be positive here. It, so, you know, okay, so here's the other thing, is that the, the these fucking, like, ghouls were just, like, saying solidarity about after every word, and it was just like, that word means nothing to you. Clearly that you don't actually give a shit about other people, because if you did, you would have made the DSA accessible to all comrades, regardless of ability or, or means to pay for privilege. dues. Point of personal <laughs> privilege, Pearson. Solidarity is Polish, and you are stealing Polish valor every time you say it. Thank you. <laughs> so you know that whole thing was just, uh, it's just, yeah. I think that you know people who have um, positive analyses of it are uh, misguided and are just simply wrong. Um, and where they have such low expectations that it was literally like. I, it was energizing to actually meet a large group of socialists, even if they weren't particularly useful or doing like wildly important things. It was nice to know they exist. I feel like a part of a community, right? Like if that was the bare minimum of just like literally see a crowd of people with vaguely similar political that just beliefs. Seems like such a venal like response though. Like to me, like yeah. the ability to, <laughs> it does <laughs> the ability to actually like, like do shit and, 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 build power is a far more representative measurement of like what was a successful convention <laughs> than gathering in a like room with a bunch of buffoons who are willing to say the same shit as you like that doesn't make you like <laughs> strong it doesn't make you powerful it simply makes you part of a trend or part of a you know a, a, a subculture i don't i don't want the left to be a subculture i want i want i want to fucking win i don't know about y'all but like i want to fucking win i don't want capitalism to continue ruining the lives of of millions and millions and billions of people all across the planet earth i don't want fascism to continue creeping i don't want climate change to ramp up and, and destroy our homes and, and erase our shores like i want to build a better world in the shell of the old and if we're you know our, our yardstick for being successful is us standing in a room with a couple like less than two thousand people shouting over each other and pointing out points of privilege then i would say it's a pretty fucking far cry from building a world that is universally emancipated and is built on you know solidarity and comradeship and and finding joy and pleasure and passion in life oh sorry i'm not supposed to clap spear figure my bad <laughs> It's cool to meet your mutuals, though, huh? That's one I, thing the DSA can do for you. Also, couldn't give less of a fuck. Like, like, I just like so, so dumb. Like, I mean, like people no, were like, talking dumb. about like, oh my god, I saw this person on Twitter. Oh my god, and it's so great. And I'm just like, dude, who fucking cares? Wait, no, people, you 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 overheard that? Please tell me you overheard. Oh that. my gosh, yes, I heard that left That's and right. So no, like left and right. <laughs> yeah. I shit you not. And so like, uh, you know, there was more more right than left. Though, yes, from what more you're right from left. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so, but, uh, you know, good people, and it was just, like, one of those in interactions where I've heard so many people being like, did you see this comrade over there? Oh, my gosh, yes, I did. Should we get a picture with her? Yes, we should. We totally should. Oh, my God. And, and it was just like, are you guys, like, 12 years old? Do you not I mean, realize close. that? Do you not realize that we're trying to, like, do something meaningful and important here and not build your, like, Twitter profile and get likes and RTs on the internet? Like, god damn it. It was so discouraging. 
You're doing a really good job of painting the the rosy positive. Thank you for being so charitable with this perspective. Sorry, uh, I'm sorry. It's a, it, no. it was a bad experience. This is, I, I understand. This is, honestly, I, this is I'm, very I'm therapeutic for me, though. It's very cathartic to, to be able to, to vent. So I appreciate y'all giving yeah, me an opportunity no, to, to talk shit. I mean, look, that stuff is the the social. Oh my god, did you see what comrade is here? Is so embarrassing. But I think it's also important to remember, like. Leftism should, it is very serious and like, I mean, an eschatological battle at this fucking point, but yeah. uh, it should be kind of fun. You don't have to be deadly serious and somber the whole time. And a little bit of like people in their twenties being like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of doing something. Look, I, I recognize people that it's not just on the internet. Like that's, that can be okay. If you were then doing things too, it, it becomes more problematic if there's just a vacuum and that fills the space. Yeah, for sure. And I think you're absolutely right, Rob. I, I, I think that I, 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 it's entirely possible that I'm being uncharitable or too cynical. Um, and I, I think you're right. Like, you know, we, we need more joy and, and pleasure and passion on the left. I mean, so much of it is, is just this sort of, um, blind militancy or this sort of performative wokeness or this policing of people's language or policing of people's life experiences rather than an actual intentional effort to try and build something that is beautiful and worth fighting for. That is something that gives us meaning and helps us self-actualize. I think you're absolutely right. I just am unconvinced that that's going to happen through, you know, interacting with like mini celebrities on the internet you know what i mean yeah plus everybody knows you don't get clout for taking a picture with them you only get clout if you do organizing them. with oh, them oh shit i thought we were gonna say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll accept that okay so that was most of the like in conference stuff and you started to talk about the sort of like personal interactions outside of the vote so you had the the weird social twitter thing going on people trying to like uh gain clout by taking pictures with twitter personalities which okay cool uh what else was going on behind the scenes like so not actually in the voting section yeah yeah yeah, for sure so there was some good stuff going on um there's also some bad stuff oh, going on god do you get, want, let me get the good stuff the good at stuff? this point <laughs> okay. i'll take what i can get so the good stuff i would say uh i gotta you know i'm obviously biased because i'm a member of this caucus but um i think it goes without saying that there should be a shout out to the dsa uh lsc the libertarian socialist caucus um those Go folks Tigers. are awesome uh, <laughs> and they are incredibly um compassionate kind thoughtful um resilient uh individuals and they were incredibly inspiring while i was there um they were affirming encouraging and were willing to fuck shit up if it came to it which i was proud of um i also think that uh the dsa lsc is the best and brightest and and represents a a a vision of what the dsa could be at its best Um, And I was also encouraged to hear that the DSA LSC is going to try and move forward with creating a sort of hybrid model where it will now accept members who are not uh, formally members of the DSA, but who will accept people into their ranks and into their caucus who are not actually affiliated with the DSA in order to try and build a a kind of a hybrid organization of sorts um, that's both within the DSA and out of the DSA. I, I, it hasn't gone that way yet. Um, there are people who were making that argument, uh, for sure. Um, it's an we don't argument even have that to I'm send in the trots. To. 
Yeah, no, you know. Um, They're already there. But yeah, that was encouraging. Um, I got to go to a show, so that was dope. I uh, love, love going to shows. Uh, I got to go see the Trillbillies and um, the Street Fight Radio gang and the District Sentinel uh, folks, uh, so that was pretty dope. That is dope. Um, Very cool. Cool. You know, so the the whole left in podcast uh, like community is alive and well, so to speak, at the DSA National Convention. It's in this cool little DIY space. Um, I also saw like <laughs> I also saw like a lot of people trying to whip votes, like they were on the Senate floor, and I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now? You're trying to whip votes for the NPC so you can have more like power? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, so that was that was." not especially uplifting or cool listen well, buddy the model un kids had to go somewhere when they grew up i guess dude the the model un kids had to decide to go to the dsa national convention and cosplay as as sock dims um but yeah so i'm not sure they're cosplaying fun. as sock <laughs> yeah no <laughs> that's not <laughs> on the whipping votes okay. thing are you clarify a bit more because uh if you are just walking around trying to advocate for your position to gain votes that seems like exactly what you're supposed to be doing um if if it's like if it's the mpc uh sending out people to go like no no no, we already have a plan don't worry about it let's speed this along and like sort of not talking ideology or policy but just whipping up votes out of basically nothing that's a problem no for sure and i would say that it was maybe a mixture of both um, at its best, it was people having, you know, thoughtful, critical conversations that were substantive about different policies or positions. At worst, it was people passing out flyers and, and uh, you know, banally just saying, go, go, uh, go, go vote for this person or go vote for this person or vote for this person and in different caucuses kind of throwing their ideological weight behind these individuals. Again, that actually the way you just described it sounds like democracy. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but like, I guess... You know, it gets to a point where it was, it was like people who had more money and had the ability to pay for these flyers or pay for these, um, these, these runners that they would give and, and hand out versus people who had no funds, no ability to actually like advertise their candidacy and were just like names on a, on a piece of paper. Um, that was the difference too, like between like funding that had the ideological backing of these different caucuses and were thus able to afford the amount of money it would cost to print hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flyers versus the people who had none to speak of and i guess like again you could say well democracy because these people had the extra money because they had the ideological weight of the caucus behind them and that was just smart strategizing but that to me doesn't necessarily justify the expenditure of money um and again you know this is supposed to be a socialist organization ostensibly and so the people who are spending the most money winning the election doesn't seem to necessarily be the the most democratic thing in my book yeah fair i don't know i think it's kind of cool the way the dsa is rediscovering machine politics <laughs> oh, jesus christ just cosplaying democracy in america through the ages so pearson is there anything else uh we didn't cover about the convention that you want to mention dumb funny terrible no i would say that that pretty much covers it um it was discouraging and dispiriting, and uh, I was in pretty like bad shape after we got done with it. But 
My hope is that it is a stepping stone towards something better and bigger and that people can recognize that, um, you know, if a group or an organization doesn't have your best interests at heart, it's probably a good red flag that you should go and organize with people who are in your neighborhood and in your community because those are the people who will have the most direct influence on your life anyway. It is true that if we're going to ding uh, Democrats for having those blinders, we should probably uh, check the fucking bow staff in our own eye first, huh? Indeed. Yeah. Was it at least positive meeting all the other Southern chapters? Because all the ones I've talked to so far have seemed pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There were some awesome people there and people that I was really glad to have met. A lot of them I've already had the pleasure of meeting and, and becoming friends with and comrades with and doing work with. Um, and so yes. it was nice to see them again. Someone um, got some photos, if you know what I mean. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, it was nice. It was nice to see some cool people and, and, and uh, be able to have, you know, some interesting conversations. I think that... Um, if I could do it all again, which I would never want to do, but if I could do it all again, <laughs> I would probably be more social and try and talk to more people. Um, but honestly, mm -hmm. I was just like a bit of a anxious wreck after all of that bullshit had happened and was pretty high strung. Uh, did you stop all the proceedings? No, I didn't stop any proceedings. I don't think I spoke <laughs> in a microphone once. But you did have anxiety. Yes, because of all the other motherfuckers. But you, who but you didn't. You didn't speak in the them. microphone. What, what am I missing here? <laughs> you didn't do point of point of. You had anxiety. Point of, point of, point of privilege. Uh, stop with the bureaucratic fuckery. This is awful. Yeah, it was. It was truly, truly, truly fucked. There's this thing that keeps happening over and over again, um, and I don't honestly know how to fix it. But if you are trying to build leftism in America, right, you are operating in the cultural milieu and with the background and language of somebody who's lived here and been totally indoctrinated right and it just bleeds into everything so like a lot of the same complaints that we have over and over again for shit on the left is stuff that just seems ported directly from dims or just like general liberal thought and it's and it's frustrating and i don't really know how to fix it because i get that it's a process to get people there but like people people caring a lot more about the appearance of the thing or the wonkery or like the technocratic aspects of, of power than they do about actually getting things done is a direct reflection of like how the Democrats have shaped liberal thought for the last 20 or 30 years. Like that is the understanding of how you do power. Oh, anything remotely left of fucking Republicans. Right. So them doing the same thing makes sense. Like that's it's just aping what they know. But I, I don't know how you solve that problem because it keeps happening again and again, where the, the condescension of Northeasterners to everybody else, it doesn't fucking matter what political spectrum you're on. They're going to do that to you. And it's infuriating. Right. And like everyone fucking hates it. Um, the idea that like only the people in these major cities near media organizations know anything about how to do stuff and they should be the ones with most of the power. A direct reflection of everything else we have in the system. By the way, coastal like, elites uh, pissing off everyone else is good in one particular way, and that's creating status anxiety and all the small business tyrants across the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Southern gentry, which 100% still exists. Uh, I oh, yeah. love the inferiority complex they have over Northeastern uh, true wasp elites. That, part that part's great. Good. Probably not worth all the uh, other subjugation, the other fuckery, but, yeah. you know, every cloud. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, but I, th- I think your point is really astute, Brett. Though, and I think you raise a good question about like how do we transition away from one understanding of power towards another, and and I'm not sure what that transition should look like or or how to best convince people that that transition is effectual because you know people have been arguing you know left and right about you know what the best and most efficacious way of of um wielding power looks like but my vision uh for power and i think it's a vision that is shared by by a a lot of people in the dsa is that we should build locally like start at on on a community and neighborly level and build up from there and that the power should be rooted at a grassroots level and that that not just be some you know empty platitude but it actually be the the rigorous and systematic basis for the ways in which we build power and if you're interested uh in things you can do other than reading the pinkos have more fun article in ny mag and then dressing like that but basically doing all the shit you've done otherwise only calling yourself dsa now uh if you're interested in alternatives i would recommend uh, podcast care of Cooper Cherry, uh, the episode with Todd argument winner from beep beep lettuce. Uh, they spend some time, uh, talking about, you know, mutual aid and what sort of stuff can you do right now? If you are disillusioned with the, the course of the DSA or American leftism in general, you, you feel like nothing you're doing is making a difference. Here's how you make a difference, at least in the opinions of uh, two smart people who I respect. So again, podcast, Kara Cooper Cherry, it's a good one. Yeah, oh, yeah, and for sure, and I, I, you know, shout outs to them, and and also I, I know I've been very negative, but I am I'm critical and negative precisely because I believe that we can do better, and and I've seen people do better, and I, I my hope is that um, as much as this has been a disenfranchisement for for people uh who are critical of power and are suspicious of um centralization my hope is that those folks won't burn out won't uh become um you know people who who just throw in the towel and say enough is enough and say that there is no hope because i think that there is hope and i think that the hope like resonates with people on a on small direct levels where people are able to actually like talk with their neighbors meet uh, the needs that they have in their communities and take action there are many ways that you can get plugged in doing this um, from organizations like the socialist rifle association to mutually disaster relief to food not bombs um, and also building like coalitions and power with people who you may not necessarily always agree with like just because i am no longer going to be formally a part of the dsa i you sure you bet your butt i'm sure as shit going to continue organizing with folks who are in the dsa because it doesn't matter what people call themselves uh, as long as they're doing the work as long as they're working towards trying to make people's lives better and and make a material difference in the world that's what matters it shouldn't matter if they call themselves an ml an anarchist a trot uh, whatever what matters is if they're doing the good work and if they are trying to build a better world if that's the case then you're a comrade of mine and i would fight for you and die beside you if that's what it takes to to make this world suck a little bit less i would die for trots pearson 2019 (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ that's going to be the pull quote and the episode title no that that cannot be the title of this episode because first of all it does nothing to do with actual content dying for trots is a very anarchist thing to do though (laughs) you're not wrong oh Oh, Jesus oh that's bleak 
I, I do think there is an interesting conversation that needs to be had about the fact that uh, effective political organizations involve a pretty high degree of discomfort. What exactly that discomfort should be, like what form that should be taking um, and who we should be making uncomfortable. But but there seems to be a, like a larger uh, push to be. And I, I think part of this is, again, people porting the tendency from liberals, um, but just terrified of making anyone uncomfortable. When like the effective political action should make a lot of people uncomfortable, ideally the ones you want, and then probably some others as well. But like and yourself, it sucks doing activism. Yeah, it's like yeah, not comfortable or fun ninety nine percent of the time. It's not fair. You get tear gassed. People fucking demolish your shit. Everyone smells like shit a lot of times. Crazy people show up. <laughs> it's not great, but you do it. You put up with that because you're trying to get somewhere better for everybody. Yeah. And because exactly. you can't help but do this because you have empathy as a human being. Yeah, and and because like on a, on a on a like it's like a good thing to do, and that it even though it is hard, it also like brings you joy. Like it brings you joy to like be unified with people, to stand in the streets with each other, to break bread together, to cook for one another, to tend a garden together, to punch Nazis together. And because it it gives you something as well, right? It's not just. I think I think a lot of the left has this sort of either it's like two, one of two like polarities, right? You have either the sort of. Um, the, the sort of uh, hand wringing uh, and and this whole thing where we got to make safe spaces for everybody and everybody needs to be comfortable and it has to be perfect and and shiny and, and bright all the time, which is impossible. And then on the other hand, we have this really gross, like sort of like, um, you know, Christian infused idea of where it ha all has to be pain and suffering and hellfire and brimstone yeah. and discipline. And well, I, 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 I think I, I sorry, I have to I, I have to just butt in there. Because I'm somehow I'm in a couple uh, Christian discords, uh, and we have really good comrades that are Christian socialists. That's a thing, and it's a matter of interpretation, right? All the stuff you said about community, breaking bread, tending gardens together. Oh, one hundred percent. That is that's Christian as hell. And also, oh, uh, by the way, Christian as hell. The bit about punching Nazis. On... The bit oh, about yeah. punching Nazis. Christ did property damage illegally yes, and got arrested and he suffered absolutely 100 um please don't <laughs> please 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 don't misunderstand me i i'm not shitting on on christians what i'm talking about is the sort of uh i, I think the world of, i have many christian comrades i think the world of it my 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 point is is that there is this sort of dour leftism right this thing where it's yeah, always yeah, it's a puritanical it's thing puritanical it's always this like hardship it's all suffering what is it sinners in the hand of an angry god exactly like, it's, it's a very old american thing and very very much so that's what i'm shitting on that and, and that's what i'm critical of and i think that we need to we have to be more inviting to people we've got to be able to you know sell people on on this idea that it's about making the world better and brighter and more joyful more jubilant uh where people can self-actualize where they're free to pursue their pleasures and their passions where you can like you know fuck off with your friends where you can do whatever the hell you want and also like be able to take care of each other and like mourn together and grieve together and become you know better people together i think that all of these things need to be um you know spoken about more and and, and created uh more cogently because otherwise we're going to have these two polarities that are so uh 
ugly and and ineffectual and uh, are the the least enticing like ways of discussing the possibilities of building a liberated society that's rooted in solidarity and, and mutual aid and hope and love like i'm one of those like weird like emotional like uh communists who's like hey like you know love is actually a good thing and it's actually revolutionary and fuck anyone who says otherwise like it actually is something that we should be working towards and like it it forms the basis of like mutual aid and solidarity and we should cultivate that shit and not like poo poo it the whole thing they kept saying about you can't put people in stressful situations they do not consent to i think if you are working to build socialism in america in 2019 and you join a socialist organization it is not a social club you are consenting to being put in stressful situations that's what happens when you go out on the street that's what the road to socialism looks like i mean if we are successful that will just be because we've we just have we've had the endurance to get through just an interminable and unbroken line of non-consensual antagonism from the ruling class that's what's on deck for every single tendency and every single plan and every single organization on the left so I hear both sides. There has to be a synthesis and the world's on fire. So it has to be now. That's, that's really all I got though. So uh, let's end now. No, that's (laughs) (laughs) mic drop. (laughs) All right. So I think that's going to be it for our conversation with Pearson about the DSA conference. We're not super positive about it, but there are some cool organizations within it. Like the aforementioned DSA LSC, Seems like they're doing really cool work. If you agree with Pearson's take on these these issues, which uh, you know we mostly do. Hell yeah! And uh, this has been dumb and awful. Thanks for listening, Patreon subscribers. We appreciate it. We appreciate your support. So this was Brett at Relentless Board. We had Rob at Dumb and Awful. Pearson Bolt at Pearson Bolt was with us from uh, one of the co-hosts of Coffee with Comrades at Coffee W Comrades. Good podcast. And- Listen to it. Honestly, instead of this one, this is. Prom- I mean, this one in particular was was pretty informative, but next week, make the right choice. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And uh, his his co-host is Mel, um, who is at Cold Brood Tool, if you want to follow them both. Yep, she's They're wonderful. very smart and insightful. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, thanks for joining us, Pearson. We appreciate it. Yeah, always a pleasure. All right, thanks, everyone. Thanks, y'all.